0: TL Talk Radio, Season 4, Episode 14. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 14 of TL Talk Radio, a regular podcast with Lynn Funy-Hatton and Randy Zigenfus, where our goal is to engage you in learning, motivate you to share your work, and inspire you to lead for the change we need in schools for the digital age. I'm Randy Ziganfoos,
1: And I'm Lynn funy Good morning, Randy. Good morning. So really excited to talk with uh, Leslie Maniotis. The author of Guided Inquiry Design, a framework for inquiry in your school. She's authored these books along with Dr. Carol Coulthaw and Anne Kaspari. So, really looking forward to talking with uh, Leslie. She's a full time educational consultant with experience in all levels. She's a national board-certified teacher with 11 years of classroom experience. She's worked as a teacher effectiveness coach and a K-12 literacy specialist and leader in rural and urban Title I schools. She received her doctorate in curriculum and instruction in the content areas from the University of Colorado in Boulder and a master's degree in reading K-12 from the University of North Carolina at Greensboro. She's currently working as an educational consultant, providing professional development to districts where she works with teams of teachers, library and media teachers and school leaders to become effective designers of inquiry-based learning.
0: So welcome to our podcast, Leslie.
2: Thank you for having me. I'm so excited
1: to be here.
0: All right. And we've enjoyed digging into the guided inquiry design books and uh, are really interested in uh, hearing your thoughts on inquiry because we think it's something we want to have more within our district and something that we think is really important uh, for our our teachers and our kids to embrace as we start to prepare them for this uh, world of the unknown as things change so much outside. So let's start off our conversation. Um, let's dig into the reasons why you and your collaborators decided to focus on this idea of inquiry. And um, in the particular book that we uh, looked at was the framework for inquiry in your school. And you know, what's, the, what's the main purpose behind that book?
2: Well, that's a great question because um, Guided Inquiry Design grew or was born out of an answer to a problem. Um, we um, came from three different fields in education. I was a curriculum specialist and a literacy specialist. Um, the other authors are Carol Kultha, um and as Lynn described, and and, um, Carol is a professor emeritus of library studies at Rutgers University. So she has that library and information um, expertise. And Ann Kaspari is a museum educator at the Air and Space Museum and um, at the Smithsonian Air and Space Museum in Washington, DC. So we came from three very different perspectives on education, but recognize that there's a problem. There's a problem in the traditional transmission model, and there's a problem with the Traditional research assignment that is surprisingly continuing to be uh, research is continuing to be approached in this traditional manner, um, and we had research that that uh, from Dr. Carol Kulthaw that showed us um, that the re- traditional research assignment is goes against what we know about how students learn from a variety of sources. So what Carol Kulthaw did was look at how students learn from their own research. And she discovered a process, and the traditional research assignment uh, goes completely against that process of students and how students learn in that context. And so we saw an opportunity to recreate the traditional assignment and re Rethink it as an inquiry model, as students learning from their own questions um, through of learning from a variety of sources, which is more and more and more important as we know um, in today's world. So uh, we we looked at it from bringing in community resources. Uh, how does the library fit in, and how can teachers, librarians together in the school design inquiry-based learning experiences that flow along with what the uh, the process that we know. That they they go through when they're trying to do that. So it was really exciting for us to really rethink that. And honestly, it took us seven years to come up with this design. We wrote another book before the one that you have in your hands there, and uh, we meant to write the one that you have, uh, but we had to write why this is important now. It just came out of us, you know. And then we were like, okay, now <laughs> now we have the now we have to do what we said we were going to do and put this all together for people. So it was like kind of a roadmap mm-hmm. to support them to accomplish this rather than talking about the why. So uh, we had to do both. <laughs> yeah,
0: so I, th- I think it's the diverse backgrounds of the three of you sort of merging together um, helps to create something that's, that's unique and addresses this issue of what we call sort of the dominant way of um, teaching and learning right now. And how do we um, transition more towards this non-dominant way, this, this way that has inquiry as its foundation. So we'll Absolutely. look forward to digging into that a little bit later in some of the questions.
1: So yeah, you've, you've touched on this a little bit already, but um, talk to us a little bit about why is this process important and, and what are the steps in this process? Um, we shared with you our profile of a learning gradu- uh, profile of a graduate and our learning beliefs, and we've seen many connections. So tell us a little bit about the process and, and why it's important for um, our teachers and our library media teachers to work together and design these experiences.
2: Great. Yeah. Well, you know, we always start with a why and people are telling us today that the why is important first, right? And that's what we did. So I'll start with why the process is important for our schools. Um, As everyone is aware, we have uh, these devices that we walk around with and information is at our fingertips. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we can find information everywhere, um, but we have to shift our school's So that students learn how to learn through the information. They have to learn how to learn in this information environment. That is kind of the... the the most important thing that we can do and help them to accomplish right now, if we want them to know about the civil war, they can look up the facts. They can look up, you know, who uh, the leaders were, where the battles were fought. They can find that information out. We all know this at at their fingertips, Mm -hmm. anytime, anywhere, sitting at the dinner table, you know, know, anywhere. And um, so we just have to shift to – to school, so that students are learning how they learn, mm-hmm. and and how that looks is that they ev- locate, evaluate, and use information um, continuously. Um, that they persist to dig and in, deeper into the questions that they they have um, to make meaning, not just spew facts back at us. Mm-hmm. We need to give them opportunities to ask their own questions, so they can act on the information that they uncover and use uh, the technology tools and all the tools available to them to create and share information and new and interesting ways. Um, you know, they can even use social media platforms to accomplish this, you know, rather than just goofing around in mm-hmm. those three. <laughs> um, so I think I think we have a really great moment right now, um, a really unusual moment in, in history. And this model can help all of us teachers become designers, students become uh, learners that learn how they learn through information and how to learn through information. And it'll help everyone to engage on higher levels. So to me, that's really the the crux of why it's important. And, and that's when I when I see uh, parents, you know, and, and I, I, I tell them about what I do um, of students. I say, you know, we have these phones. We have that, all this information right here. Why are we continuing to teach from a textbook? Mm-hmm. Or, um, uh, you know, do, why are we teaching kids these facts and these same old things that we've always taught? We have to change. Mm-hmm.
0: So really connecting with that around the idea of um, teaching our kids to learn how to learn. Because we've, we've said that a number of times around here, too, that especially going into a future that's so unknown, like what's the, the main skill that you have to have that's going to allow you to do whatever you need to do? Mm-hmm. Uh
2: Absolutely. And become a citizen, a full, you know, citizen and a participating citizen in our society that can make a change if you want to, or just vote intelligently and make educated decisions about healthcare and, you know, everything. Every part of life requires us to use information in a really uh, more sophisticated way. And it's not easy. (laughs) It's an information, you know, jungle out there. And there's so much information. What's true? What's not true? You know, what's valid and what is, uh, what's important? important information. So these are the skills that I think will come out in students throughout their life if we can really ground that well and give them a strong foundation in that.
0: And being able to ask a powerful question and know how to find the answer.
2: Right. Right. Absolutely. And that's not easy either. That takes a lot of practice and guidance and support. Mistakes.
0: So that that leads (laughs) us into the next question too. And I know the process has quite a few different stages to it. Um, But could you outline for us quickly what are the steps in this inquiry process, this guided inquiry process that you've developed?
2: Yeah, I'd be glad to because, um, you know, we're so used to this traditional model where um, teachers uh, on the very first day get asked the kids to ask their question. What's your question? We're going to study the Civil War. We want you to do research. What's your question? Um, and it's just completely counter um, to the process that we've developed because you can't get a great question on that first day. And I think that might be uh, the problem with, you know, a lot of people say it's very difficult for students to ask questions, but I think it's just the way that we frame it um, that is making it more challenging and providing this um kind of tension in this space. Mm -hmm. So our process really supports students to gradually build their understanding. And so we open, um, we we call the first phase open. And open, we open students' minds, um, uh, get them to be curious, and ask them to inquire. So we get them really curious about um, the topic. So we provide something that's for them to look at or think about or um, read um, that really opens their mind um, and stimulates their own curiosity. So we really have to be designers and think about how are we gonna do that that really creates an impact. That's sometimes the hardest thing to create is that very first phase of open. How do you open a unit of study so that that really builds that curiosity, um, right? rather than just like, yeah, we're going to study the Civil War, or I keep bringing that example up, but um, it's just a real common example. So, um, so we want to stimulate their curiosity. Um, and that can look like an image or a video or, a, like I said, a compelling quote, lots of different ways you can open. Once you've kind of got na- questions, natural questions come out of that r- really exciting and impactful open. Um, after that, we commit to building background knowledge together as an inquiry community. So rather than say, oh, you know, in the traditional assignment, you ask them, what's your question right away on that first day? Well, or you can study these different things. Well, students don't know anything about those things. We can't mm-hmm. assume that they come to us with the knowledge about the topics that we, we know are important for them to learn about. Um, on the very first day. So we commit to building background knowledge on core key concepts or topics that are critical for them to make an educated question or to really delve into this more deeply in in the direction that we know is important and interesting and fruitful. Um, And so we commit to building background knowledge. We help them connect to that content so they're beginning to look at what's interesting to me about this. So their personal interest begins to arise in this second phase. Um, and then the third phase, uh, after we've we've developed this background knowledge as a community, all of us understand this. Then they we set them out to explore and browse, browse just a little bit. Then we want them to explore uh, what is out there. What what I, I know these things, but now what is what are the possibilities? We want them to explore their own interesting ideas. What ideas do they have that they found interesting in that immerse phase? Um, we want them to look around and just, you know, dip in. So this is kind of the first phase of research in this process, but it's, it's browsing. And browsing is another important concept that we need to teach them. Right. Um, back to the immerse phase. I I did forget in that phase that, um, it's important to use our community resources there and have really impactful um, experiences to build background knowledge. Um, so we use the museum, we go out to the museum, and that's a perfect time to go out and see a museum exhibit or historical uh, location or have a science experiments. Lots of different things you can do there to really give kids rich experiences. Typically, we would put those things on the end of the unit, mm-hmm. um, kind of maybe as a celebration or whatever. But those really come, uh, those really powerful learning experiences come kind of in the beginning of the inquiry. And then they're rich uh, background that the kids can build on and build their understanding from those experiences. So it really shifts. Uh, it's a small shift in timing, but it's a huge shift in the impact. Mm-hmm. Um, so then they then they explore... After they explore, then, then, then we ask, uh, what is your question? So they've gathered questions all along the way through their rich experiences, through kind of exploration of open ed resources that are out there, what, what's out there. And the librarian can curate those resources in that explore phase uh, to kind of direct them in, in ways. And, and hopefully by, the, by high school, they're really um, independent in exploration. But we need to guide them there um, and get them there. Um, and then in identify, we we uh, we do something strange that we usually don't do in in education. we pause and ponder mm-hmm. <laughs> we stop. <laughs> we stop and reflect on uh, so what have I done thus far? what 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 do I have in my journal? What questions do I have and um, and really reflect on, um, on what, what are my interests and what's out there. What information is available and your interest has to be high and the information has to be high. Uh, there has to be enough information. If, if there's not enough interest, you can say, um, well, gee, maybe you're going to become an expert on that one day. There's not that much uh, information on that uh, out there, mm-hmm. but you're very interested in it. So you, you might be motivated to really take that further. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of exciting. Um, And then they they go forth and do typical kinds of research things. They gather information um, and create a product. Uh, and, and not only create a product, but we we talk about in guided inquiry create meaning. So we want them to, to look at various kinds of resources, all different perspectives uh, and and kinds of resources, and then draw pull those together to create meaning for themselves. Because guided inquiry, believe, is a constructivist process. There, you can't learn just by putting information in. You have to pull pull all the pieces together and create new understanding. Um, and so that's what create is after the gather. They create new meaning Um, and of course if you create something that's really interesting you want to share it with others and so we have this share also I've come up with a different question than everybody else in my class or it may be a similar question but it's my own perspective. And so we want everyone in the inquiry community to share their their learning, um, to bring it back to that core and that open. What did we start with and, and where have we come? And it really helps the students to have a reason to learn from one another um, and learn from the expertise that and the, the information that they got. And, um, and also share with the wider community. Of course, there's so many opportunities today to share in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we evaluate. We evaluate guided inquiry all the way across. Um, and, but, and we have actually tools for evaluating formative evaluations across the process. But um, at the end, we take time to stop. Often we stop a unit and just move on to the next thing. But we really at least take one full session or day to say, OK, what did we learn? How did we learn it? How how am I changed as a learner now that I've gone through that process? And and what do I know about myself and the world that is different? Um, and if we don't stop at that moment to reflect, um, then uh, we miss an opportunity mm-hmm. for for learning and uh, and deeper inspection. So. Mm-hmm. So that's the whole process, all the phases. It's pretty simple, but complex at the same time.
1: <laughs> and you have some nice resources in your um, Gu- guided inquiry design book, graphic organizers to help make it really concrete for our, our teachers. So yeah. um, we shared with you our profile of a graduate and our learning beliefs and um, thinking about your your framework, open, immerse, explore, identify, gather, create, share, and evaluate. You know, how can that support our work as we are trying to realize our vision, um, for our school district?
2: Well, I just, I have to commend you on this profile of a graduate, uh, you know, and, and I've got to mention, first off, you have curious on there and not, you know, I went to a, a curiosity conference, um, in Denver. That was an international conference. And and they were surprised to have me there because they said educators aren't interested in curiosity. Mm. And so I am so happy that one of your bullet points on the dispositions is curiosity, because that's the seed of learning right there, mm-hmm. and for you to name that as one of yours, I think is really fantastic because that's that's the seed of that personal interest that 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 those great questions come out of. That's the the um, that's just um, you know if we're we're not in uh, building curiosity or at least fostering it or appreciating it, you know, you by putting it on there, you have a value in that, and that is just it's critical. You know, kids need to be persistent all the way through this process. This process is very challenging. Koolthal looked at the phases and also looked at the affect and the emotions that students have. In that explore phase, when students are starting to explore their interests, they can get confused, overwhelmed, and doubtful about their path. And they need to have persistence to continue. They need guides to help them and encourage them, but they also need to have persistence to make it all the way through. Also, create is very challenging. There are a lot of challenges. To this process, and um, finding your own interest and, and 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 investigating that is requires persistence. Um, they have to be risk takers and asking their own question and and thinking about that. Um, Of course, the caring and compassionate components um, come out as we empathize with one another through the process and this difficulty and challenge of grappling with learning and real learning, um, as well as through the inquiry community and building an inquiry community. And also, of course, in the topics that we we decide to to go into um, and how we address those, those can definitely come out. Um, Entrepreneurial—it's—it's it's an interesting one, and I and I think there are good connections there uh, with guided inquiry, maybe not as direct. Um, but in order to be an entrepreneur, you have to have that um, that persistent sense and have a goal, and so at goal setting and and thinking about those things through inquiry can really support that. Um, of course, resilience and understanding there are emotions through that process, understanding that I go through a process and it's going to be hard, um, really builds that resilience. Um, and tolerance and accepting of others, Are those things are really come through because we're looking at multiple perspectives. And when we look at multiple perspectives and information, we, those ideas, tolerance, acceptance, um, compassion, compassion come out. And so we have to think about multiple sides. Mm-hmm that's not going to come out as much in a textbook learning or a traditional environment. But when you're dealing with inquiry and encouraging kids to find multiple perspectives, those things arise. Mm -hmm. So in those dispositions, those are really there. Uh, Thinking critically, obviously, we have to do that to ask and answer our own questions. Communicating effectively. In guided inquiry, we have think, pair, shares. We're constantly working together in inquiry circles, um, in small groups, and in the large group. So communication is a is just a core foundation of it. You have to do that. So you're acting it. You're not learning about it. You're acting it and you're being it. Um, create bravely. Oh my gosh, that's a perfect fit. <laughs> You know, trying to tell my story. Why am I interested in this, right? Um, and 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 how is it appealing to others? You know, my story within that is is a huge part of it. What, why was I interested, and then what did I learn? So that's really part of that bravely creating, um, and collaborating with others in that mm-hmm. guide, in that inquiry circle and in the inquiry community. All those pieces are really embedded in. As a matter of fact, Thought found out in her research that that was one of the key things that students, supported students to learn through this process was talking with one another, collaborating with one another, Um, and those were from the students. They said that that helped them. So it's it's a really authentic uh, component and not an add-on. Like, oh, we need to collaborate in the 21st century. This is really an authentic component of our process. So... And I think all of these things come back to your knowledge literacies. You know, we, these parts will build global confidence um, and, you know, digital literacy because they're going to be engaged in using digital literacy to um, an information literacy um, to accomplish what the inquiry process. And, and I'm happy to say that the core curriculum can be accomplished through the guided inquiry approach which it's not an add-on in just when you're doing research. Um, when teachers become designers of guided inquiry, they, they, um, they learn they set learning objectives from the standards and and then um you you consider what what content is critical for them to learn and then when they ask their own questions as you drive them through the process and how we teach them to design these uh units of study they really can accomplish uh the core curriculum through most of the core curriculum through this approach so it's that's pretty exciting to me
0: so one of the connections i'm making is your earlier comment about curiosity and I think curiosity is a theme or a thread, I should say, that goes through this whole idea of inquiry. Because without curiosity, you don't really have much to go <laughs> go on if you're not asking questions or, or thinking about something. Um, so so curiosity was something that was definitely deliberate in us for us, and including that in there too. And and it just doesn't have to have to be curiosity from our students as well. And you know, one of the reasons why Lynn and I do the podcast is because we want to model curiosity about certain things. And what we're here talking about today is curiosity about the inquiry process and how do we use, how does this become the dominant uh, means within our, within our classrooms? And not only within our classrooms, but also amongst the adults and how the adults are learning. So that leads us to our next question. And that is as leaders, okay they're listening to the podcast or they've read your book or other resources and now they're really sort of jazzed up about this idea of making their learning communities more inquiry-based what suggestions do you have for leaders to move closer to that reality
2: i'm i'm so glad that you asked this question randy because um i i spent I, I thought I might be a principal and so I, I got my principal certification in, in Denver public schools and and worked as an assistant principal for a, a year there and so I really and actually that was the year I was really working on um, creating the guided inquiry design book so I, I and since and we talk about systems in my in my program we really at, at University of Denver we talked about systems and so I've been really thinking about um, how what would it take and so in my mind somewhere there's a book about leadership (laughs) and in um how to lead an inquiry school so that's what I start with you start with your culture and you create a culture of inquiry where teachers are are learners obviously and your entire school and community is an inquiry community so everything is about learning and um And so that's the the place where you start. You know, if you do that as a leader, PD, professional development, can become personalized. You can use the guided inquiry design process to design inquiry-based learning for your teachers. Talk about a meta level where teachers are learning uh, about inquiry Mm -hmm. through engaging in it themselves. And their personal learning goals, think about the personal learning goals that teachers have to create. Those should We should provide an inquiry process to help them get to those goals because then those goals are meaningful and they're seeking out resources that support them to accomplish their goals. Wow, that's powerful. And so I think that um, that's what I, I think it would be just like an amazing school where, um, you know, there's this culture of inquiry. Teachers are engaged professionally as inquirers and and. Personally, as inquirers, and we value that. That's our value: mm-hmm. curiosity and um, inquiry. Parents become involved. You know, we value parents as learners, as members of our learning community, to support with their with their expertise in all different kinds of areas. And we bring them into the classroom when we're learning about certain things as experts. You know, those kinds of things. We use our community, our local community, and find the resources that are there to support the 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 learning um and uh, engage the, inc- the local community in that way. And, and so if principals and leaders of schools are taking an inquiry stance themselves in kind of everything they do and the way that they, they approach the school, um, I think that's, that's where I would encourage them to start. Begin to think of their school as an inquiry community. That's my dream, that schools will become inquiry communities, places of learning, rich, deep learning, where um, leaders are, are inquirers and everyone is uh, kind of really dedicated to that work.
0: And bringing it back to that idea of curiosity too. As, as adults, as, as leaders, we need to have that curiosity too. So what are we curious about? In relation to leading our system leading the learning within our system i think that's important
2: right imagine if we look at data that way right if that's our data conversation what, what are we curious i mean you know everything could be framed around that lens, and it, it would make it um maybe more exciting and interesting you know even
1: still mm-hmm. it's interesting you bring up data um i teach a class at moravian college and It's a data class, and um, Randy and I have had this conversation often because he sometimes gets students that come from me to his class, and I get students that go from from his class to my class. And just sitting down and looking at data and asking questions can really open up a a world of um, opportunity to uncover gaps and also celebrate celebrate those strengths, so appreciate that connection to data and curiosity. Um, Also thinking about, in your book, you have a lot of resources to help us model the way resources that you've designed really I think for teachers but certainly we as leaders can use them we can think about using them in our professional learning opportunities with teachers Um, encourage your our listeners to check out the book just one example the self reflection and the inquiry tool um, and your session plans which are similar to lesson plans um, making that connection so a lot of resources for for us to utilize as well
2: and I, I just I could see, you know, I led data cycles in when I was a teacher effectiveness coach, too. So I can see how the this model can really be uh, used in that that data cycle model where teachers are coming together to talk about their students mm-hmm. and the data that that they have to show where their their growth and and their needs and next steps for teaching. So yeah, good,
1: exciting. good connection to the data, um, data cycle or data wise cycle. So last question here. Tell us a little bit about. Um, you know what you're working on now. What's what's next for you?
2: Well, I'm really excited because uh, right at this moment in time, we have a full district model where guided inquiry is being um, used as the pedagogical framework for their one-on-one um, uh, computer rollout. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, in that district, we have 300 teachers trained by me in guided inquiry design, and they're uh, they're using our um, are designed to create learning-centered um, learning. And they're they're continuing to roll that out K-12. So that's really exciting for me. And this year, I think they'll have another 210 uh, teachers trained. So so um, the more teachers understand and know this, the more they can use it. And it, it does take, a, it really takes the highest level of our art uh, to accomplish this too. So it really raises that bar to that high level. Um, we're also, um, Doing a little research on the professional development and the impact. And I'm working right now on completing the guided inquiry design in action in elementary school. So I'm hoping to complete that really soon and have that out in 2018. Um, it'll have um, example model units and, and um, you know, common core um, uh English language arts presentation skills, all those uh, rubrics, not not rubrics actually, we call them checklists. So you can kind of evaluate formatively across the, the unit, um, how they're accomplishing things, but setting that standard really high. Um, and so I'm excited to have those things and, and more, you know, examples of um, um, every piece that you need to complete a unit. We'll have a unit in um, uh, kindergarten, third grade and fourth grade in that book to really give examples of how it can look. I always am worried about that because I don't want to say this is how it looks because it varies in, in location and mm-hmm. it varies with the teacher Context. and the team, and Exactly. The students, depending on what the... But we want to... People are dying for examples mm-hmm. and so we're going to give them examples with that uh, knowing that this is not ha- w- meant to be how it's supposed to look, but um, just an example for people to take and go with. Um, and then, like I said earlier, I have in, in the back of my head this this book about how to help leaders to do this because I think there's a real need for for leaders to create inquiry communities. And I, I think using this model for professional development is really something that excites me. And so that's in my mind, and I'd love to get that out there. So that's kind of, you know, the far farther future. But lots of lots of interesting projects, and I'm working with lots of districts on professional development um, is uh, something I love to do and uh, teachers want this mm-hmm. you know they really want to know how can I become a designer they say this is making me want to stay in teaching longer because it, it gives them that opportunity to um, to develop what their interest their interest and their students interest and and use the resources they, that are out there um, to support their learners which they're struggling to do you know they're trying to do it but but it's hard without kind of this um, process so. So I'm excited at the future and and, uh, really excited at the developments and and so happy to be here with you guys today.
1: It sounds like you're really looking at um, extending the current work to both the leadership lens and also um, providing some exemplars and possibilities based on context. So exciting to see that. And we'll look forward to talking to more with you in the future about that. That'd be great. So to learn more about Leslie's work, you can visit some of the resources in the show notes, uh, guidedinquirydesign.com. She also has a blog there, Google Sites, um, Inquiry Partners. You can follow her on Twitter and also um, check out the Guided Inquiry Design official Twitter.
0: Thanks for being here, Leslie.
1: Oh, Thank you both for having me. It's great, great fun.
0: Each episode, we leave you with a couple of questions to think about with the idea of provoking conversation. This episode's questions, how can guided inquiry design support change in your school or district? And how will you lead your school to inquiry? If you've enjoyed today's episode, would like to comment or access the resources that we mentioned, check out the show notes at tltalkradio.org and look for season four, episode 14. That's all for today. We'll be back soon with a new episode featuring another conversation with an innovative thought leader. Thanks again, Leslie.
1: Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you, Leslie. Bye-bye.